0: I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out.
1: This a shame to see you now, after all the fog is all the way. of Phil and the Ossifers,
0: featuring my guest today on the program, Phil Radiotis. Let me tell you a little bit about Phil and the Ossifers and Phil Radiotis. Drop out of school before your mind rots from exposure to our mediocre educational system, Frank Zappa once wrote. Forget about the senior prom and go to the library and educate yourself if you've got any guts. Well, you could do that, or, and I'm sure Frank Zappa would approve... You and your friends could start a band. That is exactly what my guest did today when he was in high school, and guess what? That band still exists. And those friends he started the band with? Well, they're still friends. And some of those friends are even still in that band. It's true. Phil Radiotis got his band Phil and the Ossifers going when he was in high school. And he found that that band was the perfect place to foster his creativity. To say what he wanted to say, to sound the way he wanted to sound, and to look the way he wanted to look. The Pacifica-born Radiotis moved away from the Bay Area about 15 years ago, but relocating to Brooklyn did little to damage his creative output. In fact, Phil and the Ossifers have put out a total of 13 records in their career, and more are on the way. Now, for all intents and purposes, Radiotis is the brain trust of Phil and the Ossifers, a band who brings to mind the spry hooks of the Kinks and the dreamy Condition Blue-era work of the Jazz Butcher. A stirring confluence of atmospheric instrumentation punctuated by nimble synth-pop smarts, Phil and the Ossifers are one of the most exciting and innovative bands around. Now, Phil's a busy guy. He's an actor who appeared as Buddy Holly in Vinyl, and he's in the upcoming Scorsese film, But, busy as he is, Radiotis is putting the finishing touches on the new Phil and the Ossifers album, From the Rise and Fall. The really cool thing about Phil and the Ossifers, well, there's a lot of cool things about this band, but one of them is the fact that they've been around for so long, their sound has totally progressed. And it's done so in a completely linear way. Kind of like the guy who's blowing leaves outside the studio right now, he's moving in a linear way up and down the street And I can't fault him, he's doing his job, I'm doing mine, we'll coexist together. I actually think I'm probably bothering him more than he's bothering me. He's like, there are leaves to be blown across the sidewalk, who cares about uh, Indie Rock and your stupid podcast? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, guy who's blowing leaves uh, across the street, I think you would like Phil and the Ossifers. And you're probably wondering you and my listeners, what this band sounds like. Well, I'm going to tell you. Wait, he actually stopped as soon as I said that. Okay, so here's my window to tell you about Phil and the Ossifers and what they sound like. Grafting breezy psychedelia, dub, surf rock, indie pop, and folk, and sometimes a leaf blower all together, Phil and the Ossifers are Pop's great sonic adventurers. Phil Radiotis' poetic precision brings to mind the work of Paul Simon and Vampire Weekend, While his off-kilter view of the world suggests the lyrical aesthetic of everyone from Eels to They Might Be Giants. When asked to describe what interests him lyrically, Radiotis says, The songs explore complex issues from wiretapping to suicide bombings, technological isolation and overstimulation, immigration and working class issues like commuting and banking. Relationship issues are also weaved in throughout to speak to broader issues in a personal way. Well, coincidentally, this is a broad chat. We cover everything, art, baseball, Brooklyn, the Bay Area, and the Grateful Dead. Yeah, that's right, the Grateful Dead. Yep, this conversation is all over the place, and that's exactly how I like it. And I think you're going to like it too. Here's me and Phil Radiotis right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
2: I I really don't know that like I would include myself in a in a mass exodus because I mean I I still love it so much and there's no reason why I I couldn't be there I just kind of I came out here with my two best friends who are uh, from high school who you know we both grew up in the Bay Area but we kind of had this vision where after school we would we would just head east and try out New York City and there it wasn't because of uh any ill will towards uh the Bay Area or, or anything we just you know we were mo- mostly had just read by like, Kerouac and we were like let's hit the road and uh and it was like one of the best things we ever did and we just kind of never went back
0: so. was there ever any moment where you were like oh this was a mistake or did you did you immediately take to the east coast well,
2: uh, I think all of us thought it would be a very limited run. Like, uh, I thought my friend Kevin, who's actually the drummer in this band, uh, would only last about 6 months to be honest because he's like his all of his family, all of his friends like so like tightly knit into the Bay Area. But um yeah, I I I I told my mom there's no way I'm going to be here in more than 5 years. And then I don't know one thing about leaving your hometown and at like, you know, the age of like 20 or something uh, is you go out to the, to somewhere where there's nobody knows you. There's a complete lack of history and you can create your own person again. You know, all of the, the, you know, if you were like, Bullied or, or, or teased or, or something in school, and you you ship out to somewhere else. You don't have to hold on to that baggage, and you can recreate yourself. And I think the three of us, when we moved out here, we uh immediately saw the uh limitless opportunity in that.
0: Yeah, I think on a micro level, I think a lot of kids after high school, when they go to college, they re you know they rebrand. Sure.
2: Yeah. Rebranding. Exactly.
0: What was your rebranding process? I mean, were you aware that it was happening? Were you sort of like, I'm going to, I'm going to become this new persona or was it more organic and gradual?
2: Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I knew any of what I just said when I left. I just, we, were just <laughs> we just wanted to, we just wanted to take, take wheels. You know, we wanted to, uh, tr- like live somewhere new, try something out. And, uh, I don't think I would have done it if it had it not been a group effort between me and Kevin and Gus, who also played in the band for maybe three or four years as well. Um, so we, we, we came out here, they were writing uh, short fiction and poetry and I was writing songs and we just kind of came out here to fi- almost like a, you know, uh I don't know, some sort of, like, life retreat. And, you know, as temporary as we – we had no idea how how temporary or permanent it was going to be. But so far, we're still on it.
0: Yeah. It could end at any moment. (laughs) Can you imagine that experience without your friends? Can you imagine rebranding and going to a totally new place by yourself?
2: Well, I mean, I – at the time was very very influenced by the beat generation um on my own as well and i had just finished up uh went to uc santa cruz yeah and i um that had really i went from going to an all boys catholic high school which you know
1: it, it, it within the
2: years of what what uh four, 14 to 18 And then going to UC Santa Cruz, which is the polar opposite, um, just like completely like enabling me to think for myself. And uh, uh, that coupled with I had, you know, in those years discovered the work of of Bob Dylan. And so I thought I could really, you know, go to the moon by myself and back
0: and no problem. That's a really... Cool way of saying it too. I, I know what you mean because when I discovered the Beats, um, I had a girlfriend at UC Santa Cruz. I was at St. Mary's, which was a, a private Catholic college. Um, though I came from a public high school, so I had the the opposite experience. But when I was, you know, visiting my girlfriend, I was reading the Beats and doing that in the, uh, you know, in the environment of UC Santa Cruz made me feel a kind of limitlessness about the world as well.
1: Hmm.
2: That's powerful. I, I like I, I really think and hope anybody has the chance to uh, connect with something on that level um and, and have it like propel them into a, a whole um uh pool of freedom that, you know, was there but they, 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 you know, didn't even know it.
0: Yeah, and the beats were all about sort of honoring the creative impulse, right? The power of the first draft, the power of the spark. Yeah, absolutely. So that must have really informed your own creative process.
2: I I, I know that like a lot of like the stuff that I was writing uh, around that era. um, And even like when I was writing in high school, um, some songs, uh, it was very stream of consciousness and uh, very first draft. And also my approach to recording um was also very you know trying to just encapsulate a moment and not thinking of like where the mic
0: is placed or whatever so in other words like precision is not as important as that sort of um you know as the creative impulse
2: Uh, i like the, the essence of the song coming through right um yeah it's been a while since i've read the beats so i you know, I can't really remember too much. Although the, I did come across there's you know, uh, uh, he has, uh, Kerouac has some poems that he read while somebody is playing piano. I forget the name right now, but those, those are just magical to listen to. Uh, there's something called I think that's October in the railroad earth. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just stuff like that. I, I just, I love, um, hearing, uh, there, them speak Ginsburg as well. Um, just the recordings of him doing the Kaddish or, uh, or
0: how I never really realized. Like, I always thought, I just sort of went, Oh, yeah, they're they're influenced by jazz, but I didn't actually realize that when you listen to it, you can actually hear the rhythmic, um, influence of jazz and how they spoke and how they read.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool that they, it, I mean, I have to think of like how they put that together because it is, it's, it's like, how do I make myself sound like a saxophone while I'm saying these words or how is my pentameter or whatever, like um, my, my phrasing, how does that mimic it? And like, I wonder if they just scat, I actually, they probably did because in some poems Kerouac is scatting, you know, right. or like, and, and like, so it's, it's gotta have come out of that. Like that, just this, like, sounding like a horn. And then, and then also probably uh, the typewriter. The typewriter is a v- uh, very rhythmic instrument to write on. It's just like
0: you can drum on it. Yeah. I also think about like, you know, when you're typing on a typewriter and you've got that, you know, you have to sort of like clear it and then the bell would ring and you drag it across a the thing. There is, it's almost like you're a one man band and there is a certain rhythm that I imagine informs the writing.
2: Yeah, there's a Pavlovian thing about that bell, too. You know, it's like it's rewarding. It's like a thing,
0: like an approval that you've made it. You've yeah. made a line. Totally, totally. Yeah, I remember reading that Hunter S. Thompson. One time he typed The Great Gatsby just to see what it would feel like. <laughs> that's that's amazing.
2: That's something. Yeah. that's actually I would like to uh, I like to do something like that. I, I wonder I wonder what it, did, he, did he give any uh notes of what he felt?
0: I don't remember, but but I imagine that that it must have been, like, you know, a pretty amazing experience. But I guess that's what maybe for a musician, it's like covering a Dylan song or covering, right, maybe covering a, you know, a powerful song. Yeah,
2: well, um, if you can tap into that, uh, the energy while singing it, yeah. I I think there's something, though, in the actual writing or the typing or, like, the feeling like you're actually – creating it just stepping in those shoes because when you're when you're actually singing it it's almost like it's the it's the it's already been in the oven and so it's coming out of the oven you see, you're 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 playing the uh, actual pie instead of you know making the dough
0: right right so it's the idea the actual process of creating that so i, I get what hunter s thompson was doing and he said it, you know he did the entire book Mm. which is actually pretty cool. That, um, that is. You know, you know, you act, you make music, and you're in New York. Was there ever a thought maybe L.A. was the way to go? <laughs> um,
2: I, you know, as somebody from San Francisco, we have a, a very uh, interesting relationship <laughs> with L.A. It's We're, true. Yeah, so... So it didn't really, I mean, I've gone down to LA and all the time I spend there, it's, you know, the weather is amazing and and I'm sure it would be great to live in, but I just, I don't really, I don't really think I can stomach it for that long. I think I would just either be crazed with things to do and like kind of had a have an out of body experience. And like the next thing I know, I look at myself and I have like, Frosted tips and like a surfer bod, and um, but or or I could just be like you know this place is hell. This is uh, uh, you know these people are like I don't know. Anyway, I hate the Dodgers. Let's just put it that way. Well, we know yeah.
0: that. Well, this is you know I'm a Bay Area boy too, and I hate them too. And uh, that's just the way it is. It's just sort of in your uh, it's in your blood. Mm-hmm. But I wonder for you what i'm noticing looking at your body of work it's very impressive you're very prolific do you find that you are creating or in the creative mode um all the time
2: um i there's definitely a part of me that is there's definitely a part of me that like is churning uh, even if it's not actively there's like uh uh um, uh, there's things I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I can hear, I, or I want to hear in the back of my head that, um, there's a, a kind of a process of fermentation that is somewhat always happening. And, uh, I'm also like kind of not very satisfied with, uh with the way things usually turn out. And so like, I always want to kind of like, I I gotta do it. I gotta do something else. I gotta do something else. I can't really, I can't really sit, sit still and, and, uh, and think, Oh, okay. I wrote this or I, I made this video and, uh, I, I'm content for five minutes. I'm always just like, that didn't come out exactly 100% what I was seeing in my mind's eye. So, but this in the back of my mind, this other thing right now I'm working on. This could be it. This could be the one. You know, there's this uh, Leonardo da Vinci uh, on his like journals. In, in like late in life, he kind of went over all of his journals. Or I'm not sure if it's just his late journals or all his journals. And he wrote, "Tell me something like, tell me if anything at all was done." He just kind of like went over everything and just basically. Through, like, threw a hex over it all, and and I think that probably he was probably living with that, but he at just towards the end of the life, his life wrote it down. But I mean, I think the 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 the, uh, the ability or the um, the the tendency to kind of toss away things that you've already finished or quote unquote, or have abandoned you know and work on something else uh is uh it's it's just it's, for some people it's it's there for some people it's just ever present
0: do you feel that in your own work that you are getting closer and closer to the I, I will just call it the thing or do you feel you know what i mean like in other words eat with each song that you write do you feel that you're getting closer to the vision that you've been trying to apprehend, or do you feel that it's just like, it's by nature elusive?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's every, every song changes shape. If if I was to make square, like every song was a square, I'd probably get good at making those squares, you know, but like the, the song that I'm chasing is a different shape. Um, it's a, uh, uh, it's, I, I each one is slightly different or, or or a lot different depending. And uh I all I can do is kind of you know, work as hard as I can at it.
0: Your discipline seems really good though, by the way. I mean you you seem like a very disciplined artist. Uh um thank you. I thanks. <laughs> I mean, you, you what i mean is that you don't seem like someone who's wasting time like you seem like uh like somebody who who's actually feeding that sort of artistic impulse i don't want to say constantly because that, I mean, that makes it sound kind of nutty but in other words you seem like you honor the impulse when when it's there and, and you know how to feed it
2: yeah i mean i i i really like uh like writing music I, I really like the challenge of it. I like that it changes, the per, the parameters of it change every time. And that, like, there's, there's, it's easy to do for some people and it's easy, it can be easy to do for me or it can be very extremely hard. Um, it's like, uh, I mean, it, it's like, you know, when you pick up a guitar or anybody picks up a guitar or you pick up a keyboard or you you know whatever you, you write music with you're you you're dealing with these uh these these chemicals that can create a, a, you know a magic explosion or a chemical reaction you're you're dealing with the chemicals of magic and so the, it's almost like being a scientist like you can you can uh sit down with your um guitar and you can put you know uh, a chemical reaction of something that is nothing like oil and water and it just doesn't work or it it is what it is, what it is. Or you can put like, uh, uh, I'm thinking of like the science fair stuff, like a lemon juice and, uh, and baking soda, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that will have like a fizz, you know? (laughs) Um, and then, but then there are, there are chemicals that haven't even been invented yet or like the stuff on the periodic table of elements like what's you know all the way down at the bottom like that that it's just theorized you know you could those those can be played with as well if you can if you can find them
0: you know how hard are you on yourself like do you you know like like, like if you write something do you return to it do you I'm trying to figure out like when you feel satisfied, how do you know when something is by your standards done?
2: Um, Hmm. Uh, well, I, I like to work as quickly as possible. Um, there's, I, there's that book songwriters on songwriting by, I think it's Paul Zolo or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in that is, that was an amazing book. Amazingly, uh, Fertile book for like anyone trying to write songs, but there's the Bob Dylan portion of it where he says the quickest thing you know you got to get once you get in it you got to get out the the worst thing you can do is be stuck in it, and uh I you know that's one perspective obviously, uh, but uh I I agree that like I can just get weighed down by uh, minutiae and lose the 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 essential piece of the song and have it get re too reworked um like overdone and so i i try to try to get in and, and out as quickly as possible and and w- returning to your other question about like um the shape of a song uh i i try if anything i try to give myself the uh the tools to be able to work effectively, like the space and, and the time and uh, and maybe not like, you know, like, oh, from two thirty to four, I'm going to write a song now, right. uh, but but uh, but just the 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 environment and like the the space, to like if the mind was a muscle and, and could re- relax, I try to give it the um, the uh, the right, you know, uh, I let it, I I try to let it happen in a certain space. So I, so then I can work as quickly as
0: possible. Yeah. And that speed kind of reminds me of, of the beats, you know, where it's sort of like, get it out. Just, you know, don't, don't uh, process it too much, get it out there. Even though it's raw, the, the impulse and the truth of it will be enough. Um, And that, that sort of, that's more important than, than processing it.
2: Yeah. I mean, but then you guys in that same book, there's uh Leonard Cohen talking, who is, you know, kind of the opposite where it's like, this song took me seven years to write, right. you know, <laughs> first verse. And, and, but like that, but, but the, I mean, that's like, if you, your process, you know, if there's, if you're like a cobbler, you know, your process is one way and, you know, or if you're like, you make something like, uh, something that, something else that takes seven years, you know, like a master, uh, I don't know, an architect or something like that. Um, it's different chemicals that you can play with and different, uh, ingredients that you can throw in. And it's like, I, you know, one thing when, when I was at UCSC, and I first discovered Bob Dylan, I had this like aha moment, like all you do, you know, is be yourself. And it was very profound. But then I was, and then that was wrong too, because my, or at least for me, because I, I, being myself was through the lens of Bob Dylan, who I had found that through. So it was like, oh, this is the way to be yourself. Then I realized, oh, Leonard Cohen's being yourself. Oh, Joni Mitchell, oh, you know, uh, Kate Bush, you know, like all the other people who I, uh, I, I really uh, love their work. And so the, the, they have their own way of doing it, doing uh, being yourself. So it, it's, I don't know, I've, I've kind of like stumbled and, 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 you know, one step forward, two step back kind of way into the
1: way I like to like to work. Well, I walk back down through the thicket of our.
0: said how how much do you see you know the persona of of the person you are as a musician as a as a character you know like the like the phil part of the ossifers i mean do you think of that as at not as a bit but as as a character in the same way that um that anybody who is on stage and that's what i always think about whether it's justin bieber or it's rihanna or it's uh, michael's type of rem those are all personas right like those mm-hmm. are all those are all projections that people see they're not the real person
2: yeah well i don't know you know the the band name is was built off i, I mean, you're talking about like when i was like 16 or 17 i came up with this and it's like it it it's has stuck to me because i i think that it is a. Uh, it's so. It can be so. Uh, people either just don't get it or don't care, and it can be off-putting for a lot of people that it kind of lets me alone, uh, which is not a good thing, you know, in, in the the sense that I don't really have a career, but um, it, <laughs> it 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 lets me alone to have this this uh, fertile ground to work with, you know, this like un. Uh, unvarnished, uh, canvas, you know? So, I, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of work to go unnoticed, you know, sometimes. And, uh, I, I like the, uh, I like having, um, a, a space where I can be, uh, I, I can, I, I don't really feel like I have similar artists that, uh, I'm I'm trying to group myself with. I mean, it's not the it's not the way anyone would teach doing this, or or anyone would suggest. It would be the probably what what you know if you you went to a music consultant and said, "How do I have a career in music?" They would they wouldn't say, "Name your band, fill in the
1: offers." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well. What about when you act? Do you, do you feel that way when you act?
2: Oh, I wouldn't really consider myself an actor. I just kind of got those things like uh, they just kind of fell in my lap. Um, And I like doing it. I I was uh, uh, in the high school plays a lot. And that's how I met Kevin and Gus. And, uh, and then I was uh, a theater minor in college just because I, I, I love reading plays, and just like being around the stage. I like doing i did a lot of stage crew in those years, which i i i did like some acting in high school, but I did stage crew in in college and I thought that was really cool um and uh and so so i I do like doing like acting stuff, but like I didn't really seek it out i I just got a kind of got a call from a friend of a friend who was assisting with uh casting and then i got the uh i did a little bit role in the uh irishman through that same contact as well but it's grueling man i don't really i, I don't really like to uh, to to be on a uh, tv or a moving set movie set it's not
0: fun is it because it, it it's such a different discipline than music that you're not really in control of it yeah. And you're just
2: sitting there and like the costume and hair and makeup are just brutal and you're sweaty and you're bored. And then, uh, yeah, that's basically it. And you're, you're, you know, I don't really think that, uh, I'm not part of sad or anything. So I'm getting, not, not getting the, uh, uh, the rate that I think is worth the time. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's kind of fun, I guess. I don't, I don't really think that like it, it plays into it. It's, it's nice to have like on my like life resume, but I don't think it really plays into the songwriting too much.
0: It's funny. Cause I, I did some extra work after college and I had the same reaction where I was like, man, cause I'm a writer. And I was like, man, this is like, I mean, I totally understand why, it moves at the pace it does. But I felt the, uh, the lack of immediacy um, and the waiting around was really uh, kind of illuminating. I didn't know it was like that. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Because I, I like the, the, the idea that when you're a writer, and that, that includes you know being a musician, being a, being a poet, being a, an essayist or a novelist, you know, you're pretty portable. You can, mm-hmm. you can go anywhere. Um, and and just start writing. And I I wonder if you find yourself in different locations suddenly jotting down ideas.
2: Yeah, all, all the time. Uh, uh, sadly, I don't really ha- I don't carry I like a pen and pad, uh, so it's usually like on my phone, or I, I will like email myself um, phrasing and stuff like that. But but yeah, I mean when you're an extra and you're sitting down there, I would think that like I mean you could definitely read. Um, and, and if, if you, you know, could put in, put on the blinders, you could probably do some writing too. So I think there, I mean, there are a lot of lifers who are extras, you know, the people who just know each other. I remember yeah. from the, from like the two or three things that I did, there were like, people who were like, oh, it's great to see you. You know, they're coming from New Jersey or like some sort of suburban, like Long Island thing to do these extra jobs where they're just like, uh, you know. You can just see, like, half of their shoulder in a scene. But,
1: but, yeah, I mean,
2: they they, they make a career. Actually, it's, it, there's something uh, endearing about the people who do it, like, after retirement. It's just kind of like, you know, it it it, it, it seems like if I was to be in uh, an extra, I think that would be a, a really good time to do it. It's just, like, in retirement as something fun to do. You can kind of just – if you're part of, like, one of those extra – bulletin boards or whatever they'll uh you can pick and choose whenever you want to do it something like you know
0: once a month yeah it's like being a substitute teacher yeah you sort of uh you get to make your de- your own decision about your about your schedule um in terms of the vision of of the band and the future uh do you think about that kind of stuff or does that is that anxiety producing um
2: uh maybe maybe a little bit of both um i i am i'm really really excited where we're at right now because um we're playing on a on a level that we've never played before um we uh kevin and i have played for a long time uh the drummer and and gus left to do his own thing but he's still like one of our our best friends and he's around and he'll um but we have a new bass player um named Ben and Ben and I have a musical communication um kind of like I've never had in a in in this band before I taught Kevin how to play the drums and I taught Gus how to play the bass um it, and and I and I I thank them for learning because like I they basically volunteered because they knew I like it, how hard it is to have a band, and and how kind of like I, I I didn't want a band to sound I didn't want it to be cookie cutter sounding. I I kind of like the fact that they're untrained and unhinged, and it kind of helps me to be uh, on my toes and 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 uh, you know thinking that what could be perceived as a wrong note is actually something that gives uh some sort of twinge of 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 personality that I'm excited about, but having ben who is like has a degree in jazz um thrown in the mix and also like understands and and gets phil the philosophers uh, i'm really excited to be playing with him and uh we uh so i i think that like i'm very uh optimistic. Um, at, at the you know the amount of work that that I you know we could do, the, the amount of shows we could play, the, the the twists we can put on the songs, and uh, we're also playing with a uh, a piano and violin player. Um, Where I should say we're like you know leaving the door open for her, and so that you know uh, sonically opens up you know, universes from, from a three piece or even a two piece. So I'm excited about that. I mean, I would, I would, I would, my, my default is yes. So I, I will kind of say yes to anything that comes up my way in the future, whether yeah,
0: the expansion of, of the sound, uh, seems very organic, like how you guys arrived at this place, uh, seems like a very natural process.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, Kevin is uh, left-handed, and he is um, he he kind of I I I kind of scat things to him, you know, kind of in a maybe in a return to the beat like thing. Um, I kind of scat out rhythms to him, and and we just play off of each other like that. And we have a, a very deep um, musical. Uh, uh, telepathy. And so um we've nurtured that over time. And he doesn't really like it's kind of hard cuz he he's doing a bunch of other stuff and I I have a very I I try not to bug him as much. So like I sometimes I will record stuff, but it doesn't mean that like it's not his things that I'm translating. So um so yeah, I I'm really excited uh to to see how a, a, a really solid three piece or a four piece band will um will treat these songs especially the songs off this this new record which i you know tried my best to have it sound like a uh like a, a cohesive musical unit throughout the whole song cycle well just to back up a little bit um uh, maybe about four or five maybe about five years ago, I I being from San Francisco, one would think I was um, you know, astute in the counterculture, the hippie sixties stuff, but I absolutely wasn't. I grew up listening to like hip hop and, and uh then like I listened to whatever my sister was was listening to, which is like Pearl Jam and uh um Nirvana and, and and Smashing Pumpkins which I love um, but uh, I and my dad listens to all types of classic rock but he's mostly a blues guy but I had never heard The Grateful Dead really until about five years ago and I just I, I didn't I, I didn't think I would fall this hard for them but I definitely did it all started I listened to like Working Man's Dead which is you know, great songwriting. And like, uh, it has, and then also American beauty and uh, the rest of their stuff, which is just, I mean, Robert Hunter is an amazing wordsmith and uh, coupled with, uh, you know, Jerry Garcia and, and, and the rest of uh, the guys. But um, so I, I, I came to them from the songwriting perspective, like what, this is, you know, and I did, It was later in life, it was post college when you know you kind of set in, you're set in your musical ways, and you just listen to the same thing over, and you remember the good old days. Um, but I kind of found the Grateful Dead then, and um, I started listening to more and more. And it was through the Grateful Dead that I met Ben, or it was just like a love of the Grateful Dead. And so I, we had always been. There are certain songs that were somewhat open format before I even knew about the Grateful Dead um with Phil and there was there was some more open format stuff but Ben with his knowledge um of the Grateful Dead and also his jazz background um the ability to improvise and the ability to morph songs in and out of one of, one another and the uh the the, the creativity within that to to uh, you know take a a, a song that is written and 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 parsed it out differently uh, it's almost like you you put put it together as a puzzle but there is another there may be another way that you can put it together and exploring that and so we're having fun on that level
0: well i mean like the grateful dead are a perfect example of kind of like a mix between cohen and dylan in the sense that there's craftsmanship and there's improvisation um it's it's all in that it's all in that stew
2: yeah, I mean, they,
1: they.
2: It's American music, you know. They they definitely are quintessentially American music. They take music from the folk tradition, from blues, and so just like Dylan does, and uh, but but they were able to stew that together into these, uh, you know, mix it with a like a, uh, heady dose of, psychedelia, you know, and and you can kind of like you know deconstruct uh what is american music and put it together in a new way and so it's 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 great to 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 think that i might be able to attempt to do something like that as well
0: did you make a pretty deep dive into the grateful dead
2: um i still am yeah i i still there's a lot of music to go through yeah i, I Um, the, the live stuff, you know, I, I, there was, um, you know, I just, I had a, a a really good friend who helped me with, uh, record the, uh, I did some Christmas songs and he helped me to do that. And he kind of, uh, um, when I first met him was kind of like, really just kind of on the straight and narrow up and up, but little by little, I got to know him. And little by little, he like was able to open up as this huge deadhead who went to like tons of like shows. And so he really like um, helped me to uh, understand, um, uh, you know, that listening to the live stuff is, you know, essential and like, here, check this out. Here are my old tapes you know here's this picture you know at shoreline in you know 92 and i'm just like whoa and yeah so i i've been just kind of going on that ever since i mean it's definitely like you know uh, american music is uh or, or, or what what has become american music is it the branches out in so many directions that you can you know you could take a hundred lives to to study all this music
0: yeah and i'm I'm glad the dead were chronicled as well as they were in terms of tape trading and encouraging that because there's an enormous wealth of material to to go through,
2: yeah i mean I, I think that's kind of like the uh that's what did it. the fact that there was all that material, people were like, "I gotta tape this." they go there i got to bring even if it's just my little like handheld you know like i i i especially before uh the internet and um when you know that tape you weren't sure you were ever going to hear that concert again it's not like now or or or, or seeing their their work in hindsight that, that it's now all collected in and uh organized you, i mean you went to a concert in like I guess in like the 80s or or even like the early 90s, and you brought your tape player, and you you could you could have that concert, and and uh, and I think people it it added like this whole other level of what going to a concert means, like the fact that you could remember this, and you could even remember it's like somebody said something, or or you know th- this personalized memorabilia of the concert um and and creating one of those is just like okay now i gotta do another one or or the next time they come in town i gotta do it or then like maybe i gotta do this whole east coast run and and it just i it, i mean they the way they played fed um uh the, the dead just just literally you know it just it 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 fed their souls, and it fed the, the um and and it kind of had a feedback loop to the actual band. So it's it's really a beautiful thing. I mean, I I didn't really it, um uh understand the depth of of who they were um, until recently, and and just the the fact of of this community, it's unlike. Any other anything that I've seen in any other band, like a, a lot of people have, like these devoted bands and that's that's great. Um, and I think that the, those bands, at their best, would show signs of what the Dead had. You know, this community, this um, uh, th- this joint unity, and and how the songs have crafted and and, and help them on so many levels through life.
0: Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's an incredible network that they built. And, um, you know, the idea that also, like, if you remember something, every time you remember it, you're, you're remembering the memory, right? So it just, it's like a tape of a tape of a tape. And yeah. when you record a dead show, it was all, it also depended on where you were standing. So the show could actually sound totally different. Uh, based on where you were standing and what equipment you were using to record it, um, so some people would would trade tapes of the same show and get something totally different out of it. Totally, um, I, but, I, mean,
2: it's, I think that's beautiful. I, it's like, there's no there's no other word for um, for and for it to be centered around people coming together and listening to music, and then taking that one experience and and having this whole. Um, uh, culture around that sound you know like different types of it's it's like it's almost like it's got an artifact like archaeological element to it so
0: exactly yeah, yeah exactly I, I think that you hit it on the head i think that's exactly the allure of of it now um and thank god all that stuff exists it's so cool um in in turn it's like listening to your music i always like i don't know there's something that about the new record that reminds me so much of this obscure British stuff I was listening to in the eighties. reminds me of like the spaceman three and the jazz butcher. And now you're mentioning the grateful dead. Now I'm going to reverse engineer and go back and listen and here. If I, if I hear more American music.
2: Ah, cool. Yeah. I mean, I checked out a, a, a couple of episodes here, this, this podcast, and it was, uh, really cool. The guy from the ocean blue.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, that,
2: that was really cool. Yeah, I had not heard of that stuff, but I, I went back and I, I listened to all that stuff. So kudos to you for for you know finding this wide range of uh, people. He's a lawyer too. It's crazy. He's a
0: lawyer. I know. He and I could tell. He's like interesting to kind of hear how you you know again wearing two hats. You know, like I mean, you know, I teach college for a living um and and the college the guy the professor persona is it's just a persona it's not really me um i you know i think the podcast is is a lot closer to to who i really am um but it's interesting to kind of hear how people uh you know like him or or like yourself or you know you have to sort of put on different hats and it's just interesting how how people do that
2: yeah well uh, i think that uh if they see a hat and they like it, they want to try it on.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You
2: know? um, and, and, and sometimes you try it on and it's just like, you, you're like, you like giggle because it doesn't look at all like you and you never try it on again, you know, but sometimes you try it on and you're like, Hey, I look good in this hat, Yeah. I, 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 but I, but it doesn't fit right now. Maybe I have to do something to, to work with it. And I got to, I, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, like, uh, especially because, like, um, music and I mean, the, the amount of people who are blessed to um, have a career where they can all they can do is play music and tour and stuff like that, you know, uh, th- that the amount of people who do that versus the amount of people who play music are, um, you know, there's a there's a, a lot. It's a lot different. But so, but a lot of people who try on that hat. And, and, and they like it, and they think, hey, I look pretty good. You know, like, wear the hat, brother. Wear the hat.
0: Three, four. Wear that hat. You know you want to. Put it on. See what it feels like, okay? Take a shot. Uh, phil and the dot uh, com is <laughs> it, no uh in there. Just philandtheossifers.com the dot com is the place to go to find out all you need to know about that band. Uh, all you need to know about me can be found at alexgreenonline.com dot com. Go there and uh, check out my latest fall fashions. Why don't ya? <laughs> see what uh, see what what I'm wearing. That'll that'll scare you off. Um, All right, listen, don't be scared off by all possible podcast platform possibilities, because you know what? We are on all of them. Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Last.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. So go to any of those places I just mentioned and subscribe to the podcast. Maybe leave us a nice comment, a nice rating. And when I say nice, I mean, you know, five stars and uh, a lot of... Uh, you know, adorational adjectives. Okay? That's not too much to ask. All right, reach out, why don't you? Find me on Twitter, at Embers Editor, or on Instagram, at Embers Podcast, or just email me, editor, at com. Okay, I just realized something. I told you at the beginning of the podcast that Phil and I talked about baseball. Well, we didn't. I don't know why I said that. I, I think I thought that uh, we were going to, uh, being two Bay Area characters, uh, but we didn't. So forget I said that. I don't know what the hell I was talking about, but here's something I do know about, and that is what song I'm going to play next. This is a new one by Phil and the Ossifers, The Old High Road Again. Enjoy it. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. You say
1: the green of my eyes.